Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call to join Allworth's Money Matters. Call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to All Worth's Money Matters. Scott Hansen, Pat McLean. Glad you are with us as we're talking about financial matters. Both myself and my co-host, longtime co-host, are both financial advisors. We spend our weekdays with people like yourself, and we broadcast on the weekends to be your financial advisors on the air. So whether you're listening to us through our podcast or terrestrial radio or um, whatever the case may be, we're glad you are with us. Yes, thanks for being here. And we promise to have a good program. Uh, we will do our best. As usual, we'll take some calls, interesting calls, which we tend to find most of them quite interesting. Yes. It's what I actually enjoy about financial planning. It's the, I went into this business and I studied finance in college. I had no intention of going into the investment business. And as I started looking at different career paths, this was 30 some years ago, I saw this as, as a perfect blend between finance and just the human interaction and how we're wired as humans and the psychology advice. behind yeah. money. Yeah. One of my best friends went to become a psychologist and, um, that and you he's, became, he's teased me at times. He's like, you're kind of a psychologist when it comes to money. I'm like, well, that's, that's what's interesting about yes. financial planning. And when we have times of volatility, like we've been seeing in the markets, finally, Finally, I know. <laughs> you mean they don't go up at 29% every year? It is always scary to me when we have a never-ending oh climb up. Uh, it, it, what happens is it appears that risk goes away. We, Although earnings are way up, and there's some – you can make a case that maybe it's pricing isn't too bad right now for a lot of companies. But Yeah, and, and maybe you could say actually the inflation is good for many of these companies. It actually gives them a reason to increase earn. Uh, yes. Revenues, yes, right above beyond, um, because you've got something to blame. Absolutely, that's what all yeah. comes. That's not me. <laughs> it's not <laughs> something. I even my my. Uh, I've got a sister as a uh, as a small restaurant in the central coast of California, and I was talking to her. She's she raised her price. I said, "Why don't you raise them again?" Because she said no one bought the first time. She's in the restaurant business. You're trying to explain the supply and demand curve door. <laughs> Look, I mean, I feel bad for the people who buy the food, but most of them can afford with it. It's not, it's not a high, it's a lot of pizza, takeout pizza and stuff like that. And, uh, and so it's not an expensive line item for, but I said, I said at this right now, no one's going to yeah. blink. First of all, you survived the pandemic running a restaurant. Well, let's just go with this. Eating out in a restaurant is a want, not a need. So. Yes, eating is a need. Eating is a need. Eating out in a restaurant okay. is a want. <laughs> but inflation is pretty nasty right oh, now. Oh, it's very, very real. Extremely real. Seven and a half percent. Yeah, yeah. Real, real, real. Last month, I guess. Man, it's... Uh, and I've been watching The economists go back and forth, arguing both sides whether this is transitory or not. It's inflation regardless of whether it's transitory or not. And all they're saying is transitory is, we don't think it's going to stick around that long. Well, it's not going back. That inflation is built in. It's Well, if you look month by month, it keeps ticking a little higher, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. And it's not like the prices are going to drop. They're just going to stabilize. It's not how inflation really works. You, it's very rare that you get into deflationary. Yes. You, almost never. Yeah. That's it's, correct. People yeah. aren't going to start so lowering the price. You could say transitory. You're thinking transitory. It still costs me more. And the weird thing is, is, you know, the service sector of the economy is much, much larger than the goods sector pre-pandemic. During the pandemic, service fell and goods filled in, right? And so now what we're seeing is a back to service yep. and the market's having a hard time adjusting exactly. to that. That's a lot of it, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, people are out doing stuff. Yeah. Last weekend was the Super Bowl. I mean, <laughs> all this, by the way. But we're going to take calls here in a moment. And if you want to join us, 833-99-WORTH is the number. Um, love to schedule a time to get you on the program here. 833-99-WORTH. But there's um, – so Super Bowl was last Sunday, and the, the number one commercials were for crypto. Some of them very strange. <laughs> very – companies I'd never heard of. Yes, very strange. And I'm thinking, you spent $7 bucks to air this commercial. It reminded me so much – of 2000 and the dot com. Okay. Pets.com, all those other okay. companies. Okay. 
But the precursor for me personally to this was on Saturday, the day before the Super Bowl, when uh, a friend of my daughter's came over to get her. She was so a friend of my daughter's who's um, came over. She walked over to my office. I was doing some work in my office. How old? Eleven. Okay. And she starts telling me about this crypto that I need to invest in. Okay. And I'm looking at her. She's going, oh, no, it's just going to make so much money and this and that. She's telling me that. And I st- I, st- I said, you do realize what I do for a living, don't you? <laughs> what did she say? <laughs> she says, no. I said, well, I help people with their investments for a living. So I find it a little ironic that an 11-year-old uh, is telling me what I should be invested in. And she walked, and I thought, when 11-year-old kids at home are hearing about this, obviously, from their parents. Sounds a little frothy. Well, it used to be, obviously, from their parents. It could be a chat room now with 11-year-olds spreading the information. My 11-year-old doesn't have access to it. Oh. (laughs) But not all. That's true, I know. A lot of them got the iPhones with no restrictions. Pitching the Iraqi dinar. Do you remember that? What's the difference at this point? (laughs) It really is. It doesn't matter, does it? I mean, some of these, they, they're ridiculous. Well, Scott. There's back, hundreds, th- what are there, thousands of coins now? Back to your uh, point. I said to my wife exactly. I said, you know, these commercials remind me of Pets.com. And she said, who's Pets.com? I said, let's just put it this way. When Pets got, <laughs> <laughs> when Pets.com went into bankruptcy, their number one asset actually in the whole company was the puppet dog that was their spokesman, which was a sock had more value because it had brand recognition than anything else left in this company in the company and you look at this crypto there were so many companies that were the stock price went through the roof it kept going up and up up and up and it got to the point i remember a client uh in uh, the year 2000 he came into the office he was upset because his portfolio didn't do as well as he had hoped to it his portfolio was up about 21 percent about equal to what the S&P 500 had done that year. And yet he was diversified. He had bonds in the portfolio, had some real estate in the portfolio, but the NASDAQ was up 85% in 1999. He says, obviously you haven't been paying very close attention to my portfolio. Why? In, this is in 1999. Why in the world would you have real estate in here? Of course, what ended up doing extremely well the last next several years. <laughs> and, um, and the answer is because you don't know when right, the cycles. Are, it was, that's when everything was so hot the tech stuff, it didn't matter. If it was dot-com, people bid it up. And it feels a lot like that in the crypto market. And these people, the, the companies they're advertising, they make huge transactions when they trade crypto. Oh, transaction fees. Transaction fees. Yeah, not transaction, transaction fees. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's what they're running yeah. for. Yeah. The transaction fees. They can make yeah. a lot of money as you buy and sell. Yeah. So one that was a year old was valued at $7 billion. $7 billion. Which is just a. I don't. I, we don't. Obviously, we don't get it. I understand the value of blockchain. I actually can see a purpose for uh, digital currencies, but it doesn't mean just because something's a digital currency, it's worth a ton of money. Seven billion, to your point. Eight billion, whatever the number. You yeah, that was an exchange. Year and a half old. I mean, there's clearly alternative investments. You want to buy antique cars? Awesome. They're probably going to go up in value over the long time. Wine. You, Wine, art, there's lots of things. Now the big thing is portions of art. You don't have enough money to buy a whole Monet? <laughs> we're going to put 500 people and we're going to sell you. See, see, see that hat she's wearing? I own half that hat. <laughs> that, actually, that's part of the, uh, that, that's part of it. That's exactly what they're doing. They're subdividing real estate. Here's how I look at it all. Because I was talking to the gentleman over the uh, weekend about crypto. I said, look. I think regardless of whether I participate in crypto or not participate in crypto, it's not, it's going to have no impact on my life at this point. And frankly, I said, most of our clients at retirement age, whether or not they participate, if they're going to participate, it's going to be such a small amount of their portfolio because they're not going to want to bet their lifestyle on this or this. So it's not going to have any meaningful impact in their lives either. And for those that are making a huge bet on it, good luck. Yeah. Good luck. I don't, this doesn't make a lot of sense. Anyway, let's take some calls here. We are in Arizona talking with John. John, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Yeah. Hi. Thanks for having me. Um, I uh, got a couple questions here. What, uh, you know, what is, I guess, the uh, a good age if you're 
just, you know, trying, whether you're teaching kids or you're just starting to get into the market yourself as, as a you know, middle-aged adult, what age is the best age, I guess, to start worrying about your retirement? Start looking at it going, hey, I need to pick my game up here or, the, or you know, oh, I've got some time I can play around. The best age or the most and, realistic and, age? I'm sorry? The best age or the most realistic age? Well, okay. Most <laughs> so, realistic age. We'll start with best. Look, because a lot of us have kids. Kids grow up. They get jobs. They get some go to college. They start a career. Those who can start right off the bat saving 10% of their money for, towards retirement are going to be light years ahead of everybody else. At least 10%. I started early on. I know you started early on, Pat, and it's quite amazing how much you can accumulate in a 401k over a, a career. Yeah, and so the, the the thing is, if you start early, it's a discipline. Yes. Now, from a realistic standpoint, life gets in the way. You end up often just talking a normal situation. You end up getting married, have a couple kids, get the house, all those different responsibilities and demands and everything else. Sometimes there's a divorce and all kinds of other things that can go on in life. And what we find is people tend to get really serious about retirement when uh, they've got either their first kid goes into college or goes out of college. It's when they see the light at the end of the tunnel, they really can see a date when they're not going to have to support these kids any longer, at least not to much extent. And that's when they really focus on their It's not when they focus on savings. savings. It's not when they start focusing on savings. It's when they actually start putting the plan together to take those savings and convert them to income in retirement. So the best retirees start the discipline early and live on what they take home, which is, look, if if you get a job right out of college and let's say you're making $80,000 a year and you're saving 15%, You've got that discipline, and you can live with that discipline forever. Maybe you have to skip going out to dinner with your, some friends on a Friday night. Maybe you don't get the dream house right away. Maybe you buy used cars. Maybe you drive those used cars a little bit longer, right? But when people actually start counting and, like, putting plans in place, it's typically between the age of 50 and 55. Now, I don't know if that was the answer you were looking for. That is actually what realistically happen. So the best place to start is day one. What is your yeah, s- yeah, situation? What's your situation? Yeah. Well, you know, I'm, so I'm 48 years old and I did not start thinking about, you know, actual retirement until probably, I don't know, maybe eight to 10 years ago. And I started thinking, Hey, wait a second here. I've, you know, much like you said, I've been divorced and you know, I've got a couple kids and my kids were approaching their late teens, early twenties. And I realized, wait a second, I, I, I don't have to do this anymore. I've, I've actually got a retirement I can think about. Uh, whereas before I didn't think I could think about it because I didn't have, I didn't feel I had that extra to give. Um, and furthermore, you know, with today's media, uh, happenings, we'll say, I have a hard time finding who do I trust? You know, there's so many different resources out there. Which ones are the most reliable? Who can we look to to get the best information? Well, that's not the media. And I I just said, I mean, the same headlines you see with all the COVID stories last two years, that's the same reporting they do in the financial markets, right? It's the same thing. It's all that shock and awe. What's going to get the clicks? That's what what they write for. So uh, really looking at, I mean, education, there's obviously some ed- good education sources, whether it's uh, from some online courses or whatnot, but from independent advisors, uh, firms like Allworth, our, our firm, or there's a lot of other good independent firms. And when I say independent, means they don't, they're not manufacturing financial products that they're trying to sell. They're not in the business of selling things. They, they're in the business of offering and advice. Before you hire anyone, and the, the best way to do it is actually talk to your friends. I know it's a subject that doesn't probably come up very often, but people might say, Oh, I got this advisor. Then you look at, you go to brokercheck.com and you look at their background. Yeah. If you're going to hire somebody, if you're going to hire someone, you go to brokercheck.com and you look at their background and they're, if they have, you know, it's normal. Anyone that's been in the business for 20 or 30 years, they're going to have one or two complaints on that. Maybe. 
right? I've been fortunate enough in the years. I have well, <laughs> but but we, but we've hired people with one or two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it doesn't oddball. Yeah, yeah. Not every client is rational, um, and if they have five or six, then you you just or four even you just don't want anything to do with them, and you want someone that's a fee based fiduciary. That is not so. so but John, it sounds like you're on the the right kind of thought, and and we see this a lot. The kids, it's you see the light at the end of the tunnel. It's like okay, I better get serious, and or or you start seeing your own mortality, and you might not even want to retire. It's it's not really about planning on so you can re- quit working because some people don't want to quit working, but being in a position so that you can quit work if you have to quit work. Maybe you have a health issue that forces you out. I mean, eventually we're all going to have a health issue that forces us out of work, or we're going to die at our desk. One of the two, right? I mean. It's just kind of how, how it all goes. But but before, to your point, Pat, before you hire somebody, just Google broker check and there's a link for um, uh, investment advisors, for registered brokers. Yeah. You can get all the background. You're looking at me like something. Oh, I'm on. thinking. We, I'm thinking. <laughs> I can tell. Sometimes Pat, you can tell his brain's elsewhere. And I look over. I was thinking, like, what a way to go, die at your desk. And then I was thinking, we have these stand-up desks. What happened to those people? Do they, do they don't die in their seat. They just keel over. <laughs> the poor guy died at a stand-up desk. I don't know. That's, that's, that's terrible. <laughs> I mean, I start picturing it. Like, right. I mean, that's really bad, right? right. It's bad enough if you slumped over on your desk, but if you if you dropped over. Yeah, stand-up desk. Yeah, okay. That's terrible. All right, let's... Um, that's not even funny. Let's... <laughs> it's kind of, it is kind of funny. It's dark. It is dark. <laughs> all right, we're in uh, Minnesota talking with Seth. Seth, you're with uh, All Worths Money Matters. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. I have a question about not crypto and not dying at my desk, but <laughs> I have you. a question about uh, IRAs um, and 403Bs and 401Ks. Right. I, uh, like many people, I've changed jobs. I haven't changed that many times. I have a current 403B that I'm really satisfied with, I'm happy with. Uh, it feels like I have control. It has the right mix of different investments in my portfolio but is, Seth, work, is it a um, is it a 403b7 and, and so you have uh, investment options that aren't tied to insurance products or is it an insurance yes, okay. it is. Yeah. yeah and are you currently yes, employed like stock bonds exactly are you currently um, employed at uh the employer that has the 403b7 i am okay yeah all right yeah then i have a I have a 401k roll, rollover or it's still sitting with my former employer's money management company or, or uh, broker company. And I think it's a straightforward question. I want to know what's the, what's the right time to roll these over and, and into one account or not to and keep them separate. Um, and I have a couple of various other accounts sitting around a old Roth IRA. Um, Do you have any have separately? And these are Sorry, not Roth 401ks or 403bs. They're regular. No, deductible. the 401- they're regular. Look, right? our, our our philosophy is have as few accounts as possible. You can have broad diversification within the account, but it's not. It's not. Well, I've, we've seen people that will have more than a dozen retirement accounts, like the four hundred one k from four employers ago, and a spouse has a couple over here, and then they've got this IRA that they got at the credit union twenty years ago, and then they got and it, and the challenge with that is they never really pay attention to anything because they've got just too many things going on. So the simple, I mean, you can either take that 401k, you can roll it right into your 403b, transfer it there, you like that, or you can move it to an IRA. Yeah, I like those options. I would actually, what's that? I just really wanted as simple as possible for for my management uh, capabilities and time I have. I'm 46, I have kids just like the last guy. Um, have gone through ups and downs in life. I just want to make it as simple as possible, just, but still have a little bit of control to adjust my mix. Yeah, just move um, it over to your 403b7. Or an IRA. They both okay. do the same thing. So remember that we use tax code, right? 401k, 403b. That's Internal Revenue Code 403. And an IRA is actually, uh, what is it, a 408a, right? 401a or something. I think there's both. Uh, whatever. Okay, so there's it's a tax code, right? That and all it is is a shelter over the investment. People confuse the investments with the shelter around the investment, right? So you like your 403b7 because it gives you great flexibility and you like the lineup. You're going to get that in any IRA as well, right? It doesn't really matter. So. If you move it from your 401k to your 403b, you're used to your 403b. Just move it in there as long as it's a low cost, tons of options, you're fine. 
if you leave that employer, then you can move it to an IRA um, or you can move it on to your how, next how employer. How long have you been with this employer? About uh, three years. How long do you think you'll be with them? Uh, I hope a long time. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely not looking to move, but I know a lot of my peers are also thinking the same way and they're moving anyway with the great resignation and things like that. Do you work for a hospital chain of 4th or B? No, it's actually a medical device and healthcare Got services it. organization. Nonprofit. Yeah, nonprofit. Not not on purpose, because a lot of companies are nonprofit, <laughs> but not on purpose. Um, yeah, just move it over there. Just move it over there. Just move it into the 403B, um, and you'll be fine. Great. Any ideas about mix? Um, you should I, be 100% equities. 100% equities, so yeah. so not a lot of bonds. Nope, none, none, none. All right. I mean, here's the, I mean, the, the reason Pat says that, you're 46. You've got... 20 years before you're going to be spending these dollars. A dollar. Mm-hmm. A dollar. Not the dollars, a dollar. There, there has never been a 15-year period of recorded history back to 1925 that stocks, broadly diversified stocks, have not outperformed bonds. So, and or real estate. Correct. So if you've got a really long-term time, your best bet is to be have as much in stocks as possible. Now, the only reason you wouldn't is if if you had some concern that you would react in a down market and make a poor choice, that is selling out when things are low, um, that would be the only reason not to have it all in stocks. Yeah, the only reason. Yeah, and and remember when you go to retire, you don't spend all your money in one year. You actually are going to keep it invested, hopefully for the rest of your life. Right. And that's when you actually start as you get closer to the retirement age, you start putting more conservative assets in the portfolio. That's that's how you great. do it. I mean, it makes great sense. Right. Yeah, I appreciate the follow and, up. Too. And, yep. You know, I, I got to tell you, the worst part about a well-balanced portfolio is the owner of the portfolio, not the portfolio itself. <laughs> it's because how they react yeah. to the marketplace. And if you can get past that reaction, then you're fine. And it's not, by the way, I've been doing this for a long time. My wife occasionally will point out certain holdings in our portfolios that aren't doing well. And she says, what do we do about this? <laughs> like, what do you want me to do? Oh, wow, I didn't know. I forgot about that one holding. I don't. And God bless her, right? I mean, she's watching it. Not that we're going to do anything with the information. Because the challenge is. That which had just done the best is now more expensive. And odds are it's not going to be that that area that's going to perform the next the best the next quarter or the next year. Whether you break things down and, and there's actually there's an interesting chart. We should probably have it on our website yeah, somewhere if we don't have it. Yeah, it goes back and it looks it breaks in, investments down into all these different categories. So stocks would be broken down and first of all you just take domestic stocks, US stocks. And a large company growth, large company value, large company blend. Then they've got mid cap, same categories, small caps. You've got nine different quadrants there. You can do the same thing with, with international stocks, add in emerging markets, add in fixed income, different types of fixed and real estate, et cetera. And if you go and you look at this, you can see there's absolutely zero pattern between what had just done well and what's going to do perform well the following year. It's... Right. There, it, there's no correlation. You know, Scott, as we're talking to Seth, we the question we would really should be asking is now that we've determined what the portfolio balance should be in terms of stock to bond ratio, are you doing a Roth? You're doing a deductible. And why are you doing a deductible? Have you considered doing a Roth contribution? I, I haven't considered it lately, and I think I, I would based on listening to, to you, yes. And so what is your income, the family income? Um, it's under 200000 but in between one sixty and, and there. And how many children do you have? I have four total. And what, Minnesota, what's the, that's a pretty high tax state, isn't it? It is pretty high tax, yep. Uh, do you plan on staying there long term? Yep. I would look at, um, I would actually, when you do your taxes this year, do a, uh, do a, a pro forma on the taxes with uh, yeah. the Roth contribution and with the deductible. That's a, the simplest way to do it is just, it's, it's like what happens if I had $10,000 or whatever you're contributing more in taxable income, how would that impact? And then you can figure out exactly what your tax rate would be if you chose to um, and, do a Roth. And it's not an all or nothing either. 
So you could do half Roth, half regular, whatever the number is. But, and the other thing I would add in there, since you have four children at home, I assume you have a whole bunch of uh, term life insurance on yourself. Uh, enough, yes. Like over a million? Yes. Okay, good. Yeah, I would hope good. over a million. Perfect. Appreciate the All call? Right, yeah. Good luck to you, Seth, and everything. And, and to your point, it's the not the portfolio, it's the investor that usually causes the havoc. And the tax. We add a lot of value in our advice to our clients around tax. Oh, two areas that we add value. One is keeping people from making mistakes from which they cannot recover. The longer I'm in this industry, the more I believe that's the case. The second is by uh, uh, the tax planning. Yeah, and- Which one of the reasons that, I mean, here at Allworth, we've got a whole tax team. And the table stakes on are just well-diversified portfolios that are monitored yeah, yeah, on yeah, a yeah, weekly yeah, basis. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That, that's table stakes. As the ad I uh, noticed on um, the Super Bowl with E-Trade, even so simply a baby can do it, but. Good luck on that one. Anyway, we're going to be right back. Can't get enough of Allworth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast. Welcome back to Allworth's Money Matters. Scott Hansen and Pat McLean. So, Scott, household debt jumped in 2021 by one trillion dollars. One trillion. This is the most a trillion two, dollars. A trillion dollars. Right? Is this global? No, this is U.S. Right? This is the U.S. The most since 2007, and a lot of this actually came from um, auto loan balances, right? Have you seen how much some of these used car prices are up? I was looking at a thing the other day, some up 50% from where they were a year ago. Like, who's buying these things? Well, who's financing them? I, we know who's actually signing the papers to actually... Why would you pay 50% more than a car was worth a year ago? Go find some other car. Doesn't have to be our ideal car, does it? No, but Scott, they're not really buying them. They're just signing the paper that says that they'll pay someone back that already bought them. That's what financing is, right? That's what financing is. Um, I was watching this program the other day, and and they were talking about people repoing cars, and the people come out to the repo cars. You know, I feel bad for the people getting their cars repoed, and they go, you can't repo my car. I'm like, you don't actually own the car. The bank owns the car. You just signed the paper that said you were going to pay back the bank. If you have a loan on your house, you don't actually own the house. You might own some equity in the house, but it's not technically your home, right? So you worry about a little bit about the financing of used auto, right? Well, you tease me because I, I'm often f- angry about the, uh, the ads I hear on refinancing. And early this morning, driving home from the gym, I heard an ad and it made my skin crawl again. Some mortgage company, it's about ch- about making life, what, what, what did I say? It's about taking out money, refinancing your loan uh, to pay off all your household debt, and you even have two uh, months with no payments. Think how much this, it was basically said something like, think how helpful this is going to be to your family. And I thought, helpful? Scott, you can't make people be responsible. You can't make people be responsible. The market is just actually go- – I know you get frustrated by this stuff, and you don't think it's good for them, and it's certainly not good for them. But they're not dealing crack or heroin or well, ever. This, uh, <laughs> they're, they're just going to the need in the marketplace, and that marketplace will I, fill that need. So has When the ducks de- quack feed them. That's an old saying on Wall Street, when the right? ducks quack feed them. Right. So mortgage debt and auto not loans. Not that I agree with it. Mortgage – Debt and auto loans were the big drivers in the increase of a trillion dollars in 2021. Largest since 2007. Hmm. 2007. Ah, think about that for a minute. What happened after 2007? Smooth sailing, baby. 2008? Yeah. 2009? Right. So this was, so last last year we had that debt go up by a trillion dollars. We also had the federal debt in 2021 go up about $4 trillion. So this is what was making me think, 
Are you think people? We went. The U.S. Def, debt right now is thirty trillion dollars. We went from twenty trillion to thirty trillion in about four years. So the reason this debt went up is because people had more debt to lever, uh, more equity to leverage. That's right. Right. So the government gives. Uh, to your point, Joe used Smith. car prices. Oh, it was worth ten grand. Now it's worth fifteen grand. Guess what? We'll loan you fourteen thousand on it to buy it. Right. So what happened is, the government borrowed the money. They give the money to a certain group of the population. That certain group of the population doesn't really need the money, but they're like, hey, I got the money. I got a down payment. My credit's good. Let's go out and leverage this. And I think that's what we're actually seeing is we're seeing multiple leverage in the marketplace. Corporations are doing the same thing. Borrowing money for share buybacks. Just too much cash in the system. Well, that's what happens when you lower put interest rates at zero, and then the federal the federal government through the Federal Reserve, because technically not part of the federal government, but certainly acts like it, they decide they're going to be in the business of buying bonds. So it which it disrupts a supply and demand marketplace. Yes, that's exactly what has happened. Is it's it's a disrupted, which is by the way, at the end of it, what do you have when you have too much cash chasing too few goods? Inflation. Inflation. And why do we see it on the service side? Inflation? We're driving wages. Forget the legislation that drives the wages. That's what it used to be. Now the market is driving wages. Because? Because of inflation. Some people just aren't coming back to work. Many people are leaving the workforce for good. That is years, the strangest thing. Years and years before they expect it to. That is the strangest thing. I still scratch my head at that. Why? I don't understand why you don't understand. Why? Why? Just my nature. I don't know what I would do if I didn't. But you like your job. Yes, I do. But what? So, okay, you're in San Francisco. No, I'm in. No, no, no. Let's say. Okay. Hypothetical. You're in LA. You're in LA. You've got a job. Yes. You're making $150,000 a year. Your house is worth a million dollars. You're commuting an hour and 10 minutes, 20 miles down the road. Okay. Right? Yeah. You're like. Man, I am not loving life. You're like, oh, Pocatello, Idaho. Buy a decent house for four hundred, five hundred thousand dollars $500,000, right? Not even Boise, because that's priced out. Now you're going to smaller and smaller towns in the middle of nowhere. You're getting a decent house. Your kids are out of school, high school. You don't care about the school systems. You're just worried a little bit more about health and safety. Is this a safe place to live? You go to your employer, I'm going to quit. Are you going to let me work remotely? What do we say to our employees that can work remotely? Do we say no? No, of course not. <laughs> right? Yeah, We'd rather have them work remotely than not work at of all. Of course. So that's, you know, they talk about the great resignation. I don't know. But there's it's... still people that you look at the number of people, and we'll get back to calls here in a second because we're going to go down a rabbit hole. But people in their 20s, men, in their, can we still call men? Men in their twenties that aren't working, like you don't have to be much of a historian to look at it and say that's probably not healthy for society. Yes, I don't know. Uh-huh. Although my son's in Colombia right now, paragliding, so we got that. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. He's on his own now. He's like, he's got it. That's his, his profession, kind of profession. He's teaching paragliding, but he's yeah. in Colombia. I assume he's not in the accumulation phase of his financial future. I don't think he's worried that much about the accumulation of his uh, saving for retirement. He will at some point in time. Yes, but he will at some he's point. Twenty-four, and he's, yeah, he doesn't, doesn't have a real career. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, at some point in time, he will. Most do. Actually, you know, it's interesting. We'll get back to call. We've so his boss. He, my son, is twenty-four, graduated from Boston College right in the midst of the pandemic. Had a great job lined up. Lost the job, kicked out of school the same week, right? Uh, home for a few months, freaking out, like, I got to live my life. What am I going to do? And he's he started paragliding as a teenager, loves it. It's like the soft wing. Think of it like a hang glide, but a soft wing. And so he got this job in Santa Barbara um, teaching paragliding. Living in a van or? He lives in a, he some rents a bedroom from okay. some of his three, three bed, two bedroom apartment, three bedroom apartment, I think it's. Right by downtown Santa Barbara, and his, essentially his office is this hill looking, overlooking the ocean where he teaches people how to paraglide. And he was thinking about maybe doing something different, but his boss likes the way he works with him. His boss talked to him about running the business, running the small business. And boss is like, maybe I'll step back and 
Huh? So my son was talking about it. I was like, what a great experience that would be. Are you kidding me? Yeah. All the things you learn running a small business? For a while. Yeah, that's what I said. For a year or two. And then, you <laughs> yeah, know, then yeah. you're going to something real. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, not that paragliding isn't real. It's not real. Come on. Although, <laughs> I did have someone tell me years ago, like, if either go either go into something that you know you're going to make enough money to, to provide yourself a, a decent lifestyle, or go follow your hobby when you know you're going to be broke. But don't be one of those schmucks that gets stuck in the middle, and you find yourself at 42 years old with a mortgage and a spouse and kids, and you're stuck in your yeah, job. Following a hobby, thinking that you're going to be able to support yourself. All right, let's yeah, go right. to the calls. All right, we're in, if you wanted to join our show, it's eight three three ninety nine worth. That's eight three three triple nine. Six seven eight four. Yeah, and this is by the way, it's Scott Hansen and Pat McLean with All Words Money Matters on all kinds of topics today. We are uh, talking to Angie in Northern California. Angie, you're with All Words Money Matters. Hello, I'm sorry about the noise. Oh, that's all right. We kept you holding a long time because Pat wouldn't stop dogging. Great, thank you for uh, picking up my call. Yes, um, I have a twofold question, and okay. it's regarding. My uh, 403B. Okay. Uh, we used to have a 403B from a nonprofit organization, and they cut, stopped that, not cut, but they stopped it and moved on to a 401k. Okay. My question is I have about 200000 in my 403B, and we got a letter from Boya that we can or I can transfer it anywhere, roll over it, or, you know, because I'm over, I'm 62 years old, will be 63 this year. And I, my question is, do I leave it there, transfer it to, I'm still working full-time, and right now we have principal, the, our 401k administrator is principal. Do I move the money there or open an IRA? A Roth or, uh, you know, the standard IRA. Do you have an existing IRA anywhere else? No. Okay. But principal offers Roth IRA. Got it. And what's your income, family income? Mm, about under 100000 So the the if you you really can't transfer this two hundred thousand to a Roth, I mean you could, but if you did, that two hundred thousand would be taxable to you as ordinary income in the year and you transfer it. So it'd be like you earn three hundred thousand instead of a hundred thousand. So that would be disastrous from a tax standpoint. So the question is: Is do you move it to the four hundred one k or do you move it to an IRA? That's the question. Um, An IRA is going to. So when you you mentioned the company that is providing the four hundred one k, so. Oftentimes, employers will have will in order to pay for their four hundred one k will have the employees kind of subsidize the cost by having internal expenses of the funds higher than what you might be able to get on the outside in the open marketplace. So, without knowing your particular company and how it's structured, it's hard to know whether you've got you know rock bottom low cost funds or if you've got expensive funds. So. My guess is it's not rock bottom, the cheapest funds out there. With an IRA, you've got essentially unlimited options. My only, my only hesitation is that you might not have the, the, the knowledge and the experience to choose the correct investments inside that IRA. And so tell us about the rest of your situation, Angie. Do you own a home? Okay, I own a home. I have a rental house. And also, I am still working, but I would like to, if I could, retire in five years. And so, the home you owned, is there a mortgage on it? Yes. And how, how large is the mortgage? Mm, the primary, I mean, the home is, I have about 370 left. On the primary residence. On the primary residence, and the rental is about two seven, two probably two seventy. But it's the rental is paying the mortgage off. Yeah, understand. What's the value of the home that you owe three seventy on? Uh, it's in the six hundred thousand. And you, what's your plan when you go to retire? What are you going to do? Uh, that's a good question. Um. Uh, Maybe travel, spend time with my grandkids. I have five grandkids. 
Um, are you married? No, single. Are you no. going to have any sort of pension at retirement? Um, I mean, I'm only, my thought is uh, social security and my uh, pension at work. Oh, by the way, I, I missed something. Uh, my employer, since I'm still working, I'm putting uh, 30% of my income, gross income to my 401k. Okay. And do you have a, do you have any another pension of sorts? Like, will they pay you a monthly uh, check once you retire? Not that I know of. No. Okay. I work okay. for a nonprofit organization. Yeah. No, no, but we not. don't have that structure. Here's what you need. You need um, you if you want to retire in five years, you actually need a financial advisor um, and, and, a, and a, a good plan and a good plan because what you just described to us right now. Um, you can't retire in five years. <laughs> I'm just this, with, now, with what you described right now. Are, is there a path to there? I believe there is. I think Pat believes there is. Yes, yes, and 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 it may or may not require. So the the problem is 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 not that you don't have the assets. It's that your debt is is relatively high. Um. You know, so that's what a financial advisor would actually sit down and walk through with, which is, you know, are you going to stay in that house? If you're going to stay in that house, how are you going to stay in that house? Um, is that the right thing? Should we accelerate more money into that mortgage? My guess is that you actually should be making Roth contributions right now, and not deductible contributions based upon what you've little you've told me so far. And that's what a good advisor will do is actually walk you through that. Like do this, 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 and this. does it make sense to keep the rental? Well, that's, that was part of it too. Sell the rental, pay well, off to, or pay down the mortgage. Yeah. How much equity is in the rental? Oh, uh, right now the rent the rental is probably four hundred. Okay, it's in Sacramento. Was it your? Did you used to live in it? Was it your primary residence before? That was my primary residence before in the nineties. Okay, so you got a very low cost basis on this. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, you need you need. Uh, so the the answer to your question is yeah. Move it into the easiest thing for you to do is just to move the four hundred three b into the four hundred one k. That's the easiest thing to do. You're going to be at the same place. The the reason that took place is. 403Bs only used to be available. Nonprofits could only use 403Bs years ago, and then they opened it up to 401Ks. So that's the change. But that's not going to fix all of your problems. You need to sit down and pay an advisor uh, to give you a financial plan and a path going forward. All righty. Okay. Uh, I can ask one more question. Sure. I would like to know if I continue contributing my employer matches only five percent. Yeah, but uh, of the gross uh, income. But do I continue, you know, saving that or open uh, an IRA? No, no, it's fine. It's fine where you're at. Um, but but you're asking about percentages, and I'm talking about tax. So I think the thirty percent is actually a good number. Tells us that you're living well below your means. In terms of you're not spending all your income, but I think that you'd probably be better off putting it in a Roth and maybe even putting in less money in order to get to the same place. Um, so if I was to do a financial or any of our advisors was to do a financial plan with you, my guess is that we'd end up actually with an individual IRA and well-diversified, continue the 25% into your 401k and do it as a Roth rather than deductible. That would be my guess as to okay. where you'll end up. Uh, right now, the principal, the our four hundred one k administrator, offers that financial financial thing. But my, so I, I don't like picking on individual companies because you might end up with the phenomenal advisor. My challenge is the structure of um, uh, of the relationships because typically. Typically, those 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 products, those principal, oftentimes will have their four hundred one k sold by brokers. Brokers tend to get paid by selling products. So my concern, and I'm not picking on principal; it's just part of the structure. So my concern is that you might be talking to somebody who 
is more interested in selling you some financial product when that's not what you really need. You need a financial plan. You need a certified financial planner to help you put a plan together. Then we figure out the products, figure out how much goes into the 401k, figure out if we use a Roth IRA or not, figure out what do we do about the rental house, how do we get that paid off, figure out what do we do with the mortgage, do we get that mortgage paid down, do we look at using using a reverse mortgage in the future, all those kind of – when do we take Social Security, all, all those – all, all those things need to come into play, and, and that's through a financial plan. And then we can say, ah, based upon this, this is how our portfolio should be constructed. And then if you got a good advisor, it's not they don't just forget about it. It's like as your life changes, you get closer to retirement, things happen. The, the, again, that financial planning is – It's a plan. And it's ever-changing. It's ever-changing, and the investments follow the plan. So anyway, appreciate the call. We are in— Wait, wait Scott, one second. What? You so gave me some hidden hand signal. No, no, so you, I said you might be better off in a Roth. Roth at 25 than you are deductible at 30. And you said maybe. Well, because she said her income was under 100000 so I was assuming it was close to 100000 She's single, so she's—and she doesn't have a lot saved for retirement, so she's— pretty high up in the 22% federal tax bracket when she'll be in a 12% federal tax bracket at retirement, just on my first Maybe. Blush. Yes, that's why you do the math. That's why you do the math, right? I mean, yeah, <laughs> this is just, uh, yeah. we're making this stuff up on the radio. Oh, like, well, yeah, we're not, it's not like we actually have a, a you, you know. Calculator our, here, right in this. Yeah. That would be a two hours for every call. Uh, that was riveting. Yeah. We, Hold on. Not, that's, uh, let me enter that number. No. But we use the seven personal decision steps process that we actually bring our clients through or potential clients. And we have both people pay us a fee to manage their money and other people just pay us to put financial plans together. That's right. Which we can do either. That's right. Yeah. Let's uh, do, we're talk to Sharon in Illinois. Sharon, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hi. Hi, Sharon. Um, I think you've answered, you've answered some of my questions while I was listening, oh, but good. I'm going to go with it anyway. Um, I have a question about my IRA. I'm uh, just turning 70. I rolled over my 401k to an you IRA. You sound about 38, <laughs> by the way. Yeah. <laughs> you do not sound 70. So. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, I don't feel it either. <laughs> at, what, at what age do I take it? 72. Um, 72. Well, the, ru- okay. the rule is yeah. you must start a distribution no later than the April, April 1st following the year in which you reach age 72. So okay. technically, and every once in a while, it makes sense to defer into the next calendar year, and, but then you're stuck with two distributions in that following calendar year. So mm-hmm. most of the okay. time, 90 plus percent of the time, it makes sense to start the year in which you reach that age. Okay. So that answers my question. How there. big how is the, is... how big is the IRA? Mm-hmm. IRA, 401k, all those. All the, I, qual- they call qualified I'm not money. I'm sure what the total is. I want to say 400. Okay. Maybe. Um. How much is the required minimum distribution? It's a based upon a formula where you take that number and you divide it by a factor. It's, it turns out to be a little bit starts a little over four percent. So yours okay. would be about sixteen thousand dollars, sixteen okay. to eighteen. And does the amount remain the same? No, it changes every year. Okay. The minimum now the required minimum changes every year. But what oftentimes what people will do at this stage? Are you retired? I'm I'm semi-retired. I'm I'm working like uh, 20 hours a week. Um, okay, so just to keep busy. <laughs> then, if you don't need the money, then what I would recommend you do is you wait in the latter part of the year, November or December, and uh, you, what you want to do is just con- take your required minimum distribution and just have it go directly to a, another account at the same firm your IRA IRA is at. Okay. You pay the tax person, right? The taxes have to be paid, mm-hmm. but then the money is still there as an investment for you. To, instead of, now, if you're retired, that or when you go to finally re, fully retire, you might want to just set up a monthly income stream, and ballpark how much dollars is yeah. going to be a month, and just take that on a monthly basis. Okay. Um, one more thing. Let's see. And what can I do with the money? Is there are there restrictions in all of that? No, you can do anything you want with it. As long as you, all the IRS, the IRS just wants to get their taxes. Yeah, the, but one thing you should do with it, if you're contributing to a charity, to charities on a regular basis, you should actually yeah. be using part of your required minimum That's distribution right. to fulfill those obligations or potential and you obligations. you could do that after age 70 okay. and a half still, I believe. That's right. At, at what age did you say? 70 and a half. Oh, really? Okay. 
Yeah. Okay. And one, one real basic question. What's the difference between an investment broker and investment advisor? Mine is a CRPC, Chartered Retirement Planning Counselor. Okay. So that the CRPC, that is a educational designation, um, okay. similar to a certified financial planner. There's, there's a number of them out there, frankly. Um, I think the CFP is probably the more common one, but what you just mentioned is not uncommon. Uh, the difference between a broker and an advisor is based upon the, the way they get compensated. So a okay. broker, at least historically, a broker, think of the big brokerage firms, get comp- they get compensated on a transaction. You buy this, you sell that. Mm-hmm. It's a transaction. They sell. They recommend an annuity. You get they they get a, a, a commission for that. Uh, an advisor operates on a fee basis, either by charging a flat fee for some planning or charging an hourly fee, or more commonly, charging a, a fee based upon how much money he or she's managing. Now, in saying all that, some brokers do both. Okay. So let me okay. ask you this question. How long have you been with this, uh, you called him he or her, CRPC? Oh. How long have you been with them? Um, oh, probably for about... I bet you about uh, fifteen years or so. Oh, good. Like and and why yeah. didn't why did you not call them and ask them this question? You know what? I don't know. I think I'm just kind of looking at my numbers now and my dollars, and just kind of going along. I like the guy. He seems to be when you know, w- upfront and honest. When was the last time you talked to him? Um, last week. Oh, good. Oh, okay. All right, go go have a visit with them. And yeah. ask them so about you using... talked to him last week. Yeah, yeah. Have a visit with them. Are you giving money to charities? I do. Yeah, ask him about using these uh, the, the dollars to run the charities, IRA. and then the rest of them will, will fall into an income stream for you. Okay. That we, and then you set up a brokerage account, you pay taxes, and, and then they drop in the brokerage account, and you could replicate the investments the same place. All right. All righty. Appreciate Perfect. the call. You guys are great. Oh, thank, thank you. Much. Thank you, Sharon. Okay. I, I must say, I did find it peculiar that she met with her advisor last week that she's been with 15 years said she likes a lot but called our program it's a, maybe she was Getting maybe he got opinion. the same uh, answer from from him yeah unfortunately we are just about out of time um, but we want more about uh, someone asked about how can you learn more where are some places allworthfinancial.com has got a ton of great educational materials at the website there so check that out and uh, we'll see you next week this has been Scott Hanson and Pat McLean of Allworth's Money Matters This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.